Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we're back. Welcome, everybody. If you're new to University of Adversity, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. You guys ever wonder how some marriages last and some don't? Relationships, all that kind of stuff. It always takes two to tango, so to speak, right? And if one has a different vision for the future and one isn't willing to grow, usually these things don't last. Is that fair to say? And statistically, most marriages that start when people are in their early 20s, 21, 23, they fail. And as much as we think we know it all at that age, we think we, <laughs> we, think we can predict the future. We think we know what's best and we think that we're going to get through the test of time and that relationship is going to make it through. And that usually is not the case. The reason for that being is that most people at the age of 21 and 23 don't have a vision, don't have a big enough why, and usually just don't have the tools and aren't on that level of the journey yet to understand what it takes for a relationship to last. Especially now in a world where we're full of temptation, people can kind of bounce around. Like there's so much temptation on the internet, social media, and there's just people don't really have the consequences or the standards set for if they decide to get married, that there's an actual commitment there. You know, like people, there, there's, oh, it's okay, I'll just get married and then get divorced. Or it's no big deal. There's no commitment nowadays, right? And that's a bit of an issue. My next couple today, Jack and April too, they've been together around 10 years. They got together when they were 21, they got married at 23. And they've been able to build a very successful business, mentorship program, coaching, all that stuff through holistic mentorship and personal development. Now, we unpack their marriage and what it takes to really have a partnership that works out. And a lot of the fundamentals that you have in a significant other, you want to look for in business relationships in any partnerships in life. You want to have the same values. You want to you want to be able to partner with people who want to expand. So it's tough sometimes to navigate in the world we live in to find these people. And it's tough to find the tools within ourselves to, to rise to the occasion, to be able to be the best that we can be. So most people need mentors. I believe everybody needs a mentor if you want to become successful in whatever it is you want to do, because somebody always knows more than you. And if you have somebody that has the results you want, it's best to model them for success. So we get into all kinds of different stuff in this conversation. And I thought it was really cool because I, I haven't had a couple on the show where it's a husband and wife. And it was really, I actually really enjoyed the dynamic of going, having, talking to two people. It was a lot of fun. And it just makes me want to expand myself into eventually doing these in person and be able to talk to multiple people on my show. So I really enjoyed this. I think you guys will get a lot out of it. And if you're interested in what Jack and April are up to, hit them up. 
you know, follow them on social media, see what they're up to. And at the end of it, guys, if you got value, tag us, share it with a friend, let us know you got value, leave us a review, whatever you can. I greatly appreciate it because we want to know that you got value from this. Okay. So without further ado, Jack and April two coming right up. Jack, April, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lance. Yeah. It's that an honor. Yeah. Your podcast, you've been doing great things over this last year. I'm excited to finally get on here with you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And we connected how, how long ago? I think it was pro what, more than six months ago, right? Yeah, summertime. Yeah. yeah. I remember we were talking, you were in your studio. I was sitting in the parking lot. Oh, my, yeah. my, my daughter were having breakfast without me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Now we're in 2020, you know, it's a new decade. The last 10 years has been, you know, 2010 to 2020, I just can't believe is over now. And I know you guys have had tremendous success. You guys are doing so well and, you know, helping a lot of people. I, what I really want to get into first is kind of giving a little bit of background about you guys and a little bit of your story just to kind of bring everybody up to speed of you know what what you've been up to and how did you get into all this maybe one of you can yeah. i don't know if you want to do both stories or individual each or whatever you want to do however you want to unpack it i would yep. love if you can kind of take us back a little bit give us a little insight into your into your past growing up sure yeah. so it's been a, a decade now that we've been into like personal development professional development growth um, I ended up actually in the city of Waterloo, where we basically reside now, uh, but we moved out closer to Elmira, where a lot of Mennonites live, 10 minutes outside of Waterloo. But I ended up here because of university originally. I love sports, so my dream was to make the NBA, just like any young child would. And I quickly found out being, you know, five foot five, it's going to be pretty hard <laughs> to make the NBA. So I put those dreams to rest and I said, you know what, if I can do things legally and do it ethically and make a lot of money to support my mother and actually take care of the bills. That's what I wanted to do. So I pursued kinesiology. My ultimate goal was to become a sports surgeon to make that type of income to take care of my family. And so my world got turned 180 when I went to a networking event and I basically met some corporate executives, some very well people in, in, in terms of finances and relationship and also family. And they questioned me that one night, they said, Jack, your goal is to become a doctor, but have you thought about the life that you may not live? And I was like, what do you mean? They said, well, when you pick what you do, the sacrifices are built in. You actually don't get a chance to maybe see your kids' recitals or go to their hockey games because your, your profession is so demanding. And that really helped me analyze my future and had the, the big picture in mind, or I guess the end picture in mind, and then work backwards. So they said, how do you want to live your life? How many kids do you want? Do you want to do private schooling? Do you want to be able to travel? And what type of quality relationship would you like to have with your wife and your children? And if you're working all the time, you may not have that. So that was a game changer for me to look at the world differently. And to take a step back before I let April share, I'm a firm believer that the pain in our journey is the power in our testimony. And I say that because my father actually got incarcerated for one of the biggest drug busts in Australian history when I was 13 years old. And that wow. was kind of hurtful to me going through high school. I never spoke about it because it brought me shame. And I, I would think, you know, what would these other peers or my friends think of me knowing my father is incarcerated? So he actually got locked up for 15 years. I didn't get a chance to see him. I saw one 
picture that he sent home when he was in, in the jail yard. He never saw us because he didn't want pictures sent back of us so people could recognize us for whatever reasons. And that was, yeah, 15-year journey from 13 to 28. We did not see him. I wow. spoke with him a lot over the phone on a weekly basis. But at 28, when April and I were already married for seven years at that time, is it seven years? I yeah, about so, seven yeah. years at that time. Sorry, four, uh, five years at that time is the first time we actually met him. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And my mom, because of that situation, ended up working three jobs to make ends meet, Chinese restaurant jobs throughout the GTA, greater Toronto area. Mississauga is where I grew up. And my grandma actually washed dishes till she was 75 years old and couldn't work anymore just to pay the mortgage. Hmm. And, and it is crazy. So when I started seeing a great work ethic at home, that was no issue to me because we, we know that work ethic is only 25% of the equation, right? But the other side is working smart, knowing what to do, and also being prudent is, is part of the equation as well. But hard work was never an issue in my life. So I said, if I can apply hard work and follow the people that have the life that I want, I'm probably going to become successful someday, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Be, become a professional fruit checker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at that point, after the first year of university, I ended up quitting university. April did three years of university. So we make a joke that uh, together combined, we have a full degree. So, yeah, so that, that being degree. said, yeah, I quit at basically 19 years old. At 21, I met April through a mutual friend of mine. And let me, let me give you this, this scenario because I believe in networking and meeting random people because that's some of the biggest breaks that happen in life is when you meet someone outside of your sphere of influence. So... I met this guy at a gas station and he had one of the loud Honda Civics at that time, Tokyo Drift era. And then me and him made friends. He wanted a, a job at the bank. I was at the bank at that time and we became best friends, started playing ball together and we started working together. Two and a half years later, he meets April at another gas, the same gas station actually. And three weeks later, we met at a networking event. And then three months later, we were dating. Within two years, we were married. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you want to know something that's crazy is that like, cause I was on the fast track to not get married at this time because <laughs> you have to understand I'm like 21 years old, a university student. And I was, I was rugby player and I was, you know, partying and I was doing that scene. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking about graduating, let alone getting into it, like a serious relationship. But when I met somebody that kind of opened a door of opportunity and kind of a new a sphere of influence for me, I started to evaluate things differently. And I started to see things differently. And one of the the mindset changes that I had was really focusing on the result of what I was pursuing currently and, and, and if it was going to get me the results I, I desired in life. And I heard this statement and I really couldn't unhear it, which is that a lot of people today, they chase their passions. They're taught to chase their passions. You know, what are you passionate about? Go to school for what you're passionate about. But, you know, to not be, you know, excited about what you're passionate about, but instead to be excited about the life that what you do creates versus focusing on just what you do right? Be passionate about the results you get from the life that you create. And it really made a mindset change for me. And I started evaluating why, why I'm pursuing what I'm pursuing. And it's not that school is bad. Um, we just have to know, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do in the long run and yeah. trying to accomplish as a greater picture. And if what you're currently pursuing is not even going to be available as a career five years down the road, it's going to have what's called an opportunity cost. And an opportunity cost comes with not just only time, but also the money that you're not going to make during that time frame as well. So I got introduced at a networking event. I met Jack. And then the crazy thing was I had this idea of this life that I've always wanted, you know, and so I had this like ma mansion and I had this like specific picture of this house. 
on my like computer. Mm-hmm. And, and this is so crazy. I remember going to Jack's house and he was like, let's go grab, I got to go grab a hat. And I was like, okay. So we went to his room, he grabbed a hat and I saw this like crumpled up picture in the corner. And I was like, what's this picture? And I opened it up and it was the same picture. It was, it was the same dreams and goals and visions and everything in really? one picture basically that I had outlined for my life. And that right there is something I definitely learned. A lot of people, they get together today based on what's convenient. They get together today based on if somebody maybe the superficial things, but in reality, you know, long lasting relationships are based on having the same values, having similar belief system and understanding that you're headed in the same direction and you want to go in the same direction. And that's why the, the, you know, the divorce rate's very high in Canada. It's 48% in the States is about, it's about 50 and uh, I believe it's because a lot of people get together without really thinking about these long-term things. And those are some of the things me and Jack love to touch on. We'll probably talk a little bit more, but <clears throat> I was so passionate when I saw, you know, what Jack was a part of and these people that had success in their lives, because I love my parents. I think we all love our parents. They're, mel- they're well-meaning people, but I think that they were a little bit misguided as well in their lives, maybe a lack of mentorship, which is something we're very passionate about. But my parents separated when I was two months old and Honestly, they went on to have multiple serious relationships after that. I probably have lived in 40 to 50 homes in my lifetime. I lost track a long time ago, but that was a snapshot of my childhood. And I have a lot of other siblings as well. And, you know, our childhood was just always running from one thing to another, going from one place to another, moving from one city to another. And, and there was really no stability in that. And so I had decided a long time ago, I didn't want to really have kids. I didn't want to get married. I had an idea of what I wanted for my life. And I was very set on that idea because I didn't think you could really have success holistically, you know, both financially and, and relationally and, and raise good children. And then when I found people that actually had that in their lives, my whole paradigm shifted. And I started to get excited about the possibility of having those things as well. And I think that's what's so amazing for those of you out there that might listen to this, that you're good role models for other people. You're literally a model. And what the word model means is that you're modeling behaviors and you're modeling kind of lifestyles that other people can develop hope around, that other people can use as a template to build their life around. And we are very passionate about that today as building our life as a template that other people can, can gain hope from saying, you guys have put this together and we could maybe have that as well. And now we live our life to just give back and to mentor and to coach people and to try to be a role model. And it's because we've had great role models in our lives as well. So you, you can come from one place and end up in a totally different place. Yeah. Very interesting and very true. What are some of the values though, that you guys saw in each other at a young age that, because that's pretty young to, to be with somebody and then stay with them, right? Because how old are you guys? Because we're, we're probably thirty-one now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Both met at twenty-one. Yeah, okay. we met at twenty-one. Now we're thirty-one. Yeah, I'm. We, I, I'm thirty-six, and I'm looking at when I was twenty-one. There's no <laughs> not a chance that I would have been able to <laughs> have the foresight to see who I was going to be at that age, right? So, how did you guys? This is always interesting to me how some people make it work that start young. Yep. You've been together for what, 10 years? Yep. That's pretty, that's pretty rare. That's pretty remarkable. Like, I mean, on, on an average, there's not many 21-year-olds nowadays that can get married and, and, and be and do what you guys are doing. So for sure. what, what are the things that you noticed 
maybe value wise or things that you had in common other than the same visions. Yep. Like, how did you know that this was the right move for both of you guys? Like what for was sure. the things happening? Yeah. My mentor told me early on that when you pick someone to, to marry and partner with in life, he said, number one, make sure your value system line up, whether you believe in God or not, whether it doesn't matter religion, you follow Jesus, follow Muhammad, whatever it is, make sure that value system lines up. Mm-hmm. Number two, make sure you're kind to each other. And number three, make sure your goals and dreams align. And number four, your value system really lines up. And that's with belief systems as well. So a big thing. Valuing marriage, for example. Yeah, valuing marriage, valuing quality relationships. We value creating champions Mm -hmm. because we're a firm believer that every person is born a champion as as a baby. Just look at them. They're relentless. They fall down the stairs. They hit their head on the floor. They get back up 30 seconds and they Mm -hmm. keep playing. And throughout life, we're taught how to lose. And so when April and I got together because of the dysfunctions in our family, we said, we can come together and actually do things differently and break those generational curses or, or change the behavior of our, of our family, of our parents, and redo this and do it right so we can have blessings for generations to come. And that was modeled to us for, for some of the mentors we followed. Some of them had a 30-year marriage, 40-year marriage. Their children worked together in their companies, and they actually want to be around their parents. And we had this vision, like you, you said, I know part of values, but we had this vision where if we can collectively work together, make this world a better place, where each of us take responsibility over our behavior and treat each other right with compassion and love and empathy, then we can do this together. And that was a big thing that, that drew us together was to change the divorce rate and, and stop the brokenness to continue and the hurts and pains to, to, to continue into the next generation. Yeah. And I think our advantage is Jack's advantage was at 18, he received mentorship. See, I wasn't ready to jump into marriage until 23. We didn't actually get married until that time, but we got into a relationship. We got engaged a year later. So I learned a lot, but our, yes, our advantage was absolutely mentorship. You know, I met Jack at three, three years. He had been under a mentor and a coach who was an amazing role model. And so he had already gone into his young 20s knowing what to look for. I came into it knowing my advantage was knowing what not to do. And that's not to throw my parents under the bus. It's just I learned a lot of things. It's kind of an inside joke in our family, like what not to do. And I think that's such an important point in life. You need to be able to evaluate what not to do as well as what to do. And if you don't learn from someone else's mistakes, if you don't learn from your own, you're, you're not going to grow. In fact, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over And we see that a lot. So that was probably my advantage. Yeah. And we're very transparent, totally transparent in our marriage. We know exactly where the bank accounts are. We know what we're talking about between each other. And we just have a trust between each other because character is a huge value that we hold and honesty. And that's why we were able to remove a lot of the jealousy that people have in in their initial relationships like people when they start dating they get jealous of other past girlfriends or friends or whatever we said if we're going to come together and really do this on a bigger purpose number one there's no divorcing it's either you kill me i kill you or one of us dies (laughs) and people think that's dramatic but it's not and it's like when you were asking about what our values were one of our values was financial independence not for the reason of just having money. It was for time because we believe today most people live a 40-hour divorce. 
And I know this might come across. Some people might like to hear this and some people may not, but the reality is most people, they work all day. They don't see each other. They come home tired. They have other obligations. They maybe see each other, maybe on Saturday, part of Sunday, and they go back to living that, you know, and we know people that work day, day shift and night shift opposite. So the only time they see each other is we greet each other coming through the door and people are trying to make a full-time marriage work properly in part-time hours, more stressed out than ever. And we just believe that if people had more time together to actually spend and took away the financial burden and stress of life, there's so many more marriages that would succeed. People think marriage is like this or that, or it's like a ball and chain, but we're, we've never, we've never had that experience for us. It's a blast. We want to go golfing on, on Tuesday during at 3 PM, we go golfing together. And that's another value to make sure aligns is make sure that your hobbies to some extent align. A lot of people, they, they don't have hobbies that align or they don't, you know, if you're an athlete, you probably want to date somebody that has some athletic hobbies. And you know what, if it's not the right person, you should just wait because you're going to be miserable without having anything in common to do in the long run. And so, you know, a lot of people treat life like musical chairs. They date all the wrong people, then they wait. And then by the time it's too late and everybody's settling down, there's so few chairs available. So they just pick whichever one is nearby. And unfortunately, that's why most people make decisions with relationships and marriage. And that's why they're not successful. And I think if you attack it right from the get-go with the right mentality and you're willing to be patient, you will have success in the long term in your relationships. And, and therefore, then you can build a legacy because a legacy is truly built on having something stable that you can pass down from one generation to the next generation to the next. And that's unfortunately something that some of our parents were never able to, to lay claim to because of those, those decisions. Yeah. And part yeah. of legacy, I heard a billionaire say this. He said, inheritance is what you leave for someone, but a legacy is what you leave in someone. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for us because most people get together as soulmates, but then they quickly become roommates. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that. Definitely. It's, it's, it's strange because a lot of people, they can't stand each other more than yeah. a certain amount of time. So that works. The opposite schedule works. They say they don't people complain about it, but then when they spend too much time together, they fight, which is really messed up. And it's the programming that we have. Yep. And that brings to my next question is that, you know, okay, so you guys are able to, most, most people, I'm just speaking just from, wouldn't be able to work, work together, be together all the time, all this stuff that can bring its own set of challenges, right? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. It, it's like people love the escape from that thing, that person for a little while. Some do, some don't. What are some challenges that you guys face kind of being around each other? I don't know what your day-to-day -day habits are, but from the sounds of it, you guys like to do everything together and work together and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Does that bring some challenges as well though? I mean, as far as, you know, what direction, like if you're both, are you like, you know, what are some of the dailies? that can be a challenge for you? That's a good like, question. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a very good question. So we're both very action-orientated people, our type A. So we definitely get under each other's skin quickly. Yep. Like we're both opinionated and then we're like firecrackers that go off and then we say whatever we need to say to each other and then we're like, it's over, okay? <laughs> and But but the, the mutual understanding is we are working towards a better life together. So we may need to separate for a couple hours. She goes to the gym. I'll take care of my little daughter, Isla, for a little bit. And she gets some alone time. But I think par partially when I'm around April a lot, 
I just learned certain tendencies to not take her off. Um, like tell her to put her cups downstairs. I don't tell her what to do anymore because she hates being told what to do. And she reminded me multiple times, don't tell me what to do. Ask nicely. And for me, when you're so familiar with somebody and seeing them a lot, the oftentimes the closest people to you, you treat, we treat the poorest, right? Like we're Mr. and Mrs. How to win friends and influence people outside. But when we come to the home, we're like, do this. Do Isn't this. that amazing how that happens? Uh-huh. Totally. It's and true. and I, I've familiarity, learned, right? Yeah, familiarity yeah. breeds contempt, right? And I just learned to listen to my wife and not engage in those behaviors that tick her off. I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. Like when we do talks together, I'm working on not cutting her off because I have a thought in my head and I need to get it out, but I'm patient. I'm just going to write it down on my little notepad then I'll bring it up later. So those are things that we had to work through in our, in our working relationship. The, too. the right. first few years were ugly of us dating. Honestly, it was because we both, it's two people with very driven with bigger egos that we we're very successful in a lot of athletics that we did. And, and by no means am I saying we have a perfect marriage. We don't, we have a marriage, right? Not, I don't think anything's perfect, no. but you work towards, you know, I guess you work towards a common goal. And one of the things that we're passionate about is helping people work together. I mean, especially couples. That, that is our greatest joy to watch couples come together. There's a, a couple that we coach and they, they didn't even like each other at the beginning of, of their relationship. They didn't, it was every, every minute was an argument. It was just, they could not get along. And everyone in their life said, y'all, you guys are divorcing like tomorrow. Like this is not going to happen. And and they plugged into and stayed under coaching and mentorship and they worked through their challenges. And today they have two kids, they have an ex- their best friends and uh, now their finances are starting to come together and it's just awesome to watch them grow. But it's, yeah, it's a battle all the way. But I think one of the things that alleviates when, you, when you're going through the thick of it, where a lot of people give up and quit is when you're doing something together and you have a purpose together, it draws you forward to get over your pettiness and it draws you to get over yourself because there's other people you need to help that are, their lives are more dependent than you and your little argument with your spouse. And if we fight on the way to a coaching and mentoring session with someone, we need to get out of the car and get over ourselves yeah. and get over our petty argument because the people in that coffee shop or maybe the people coming over, their lives are too important for us to not give them our all because we're mad at each other for not cleaning the dishes or whatever. And, and that's the power, I think, also of a purpose. It, it allows you to get over yourself, but it's daily for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's also really important to have somebody that is willing to grow with you because yeah. if you're on a path, this is for me personally, this is my own story is I was on a path of personal development yep. and my partner wasn't, which is fine. Not everybody's on that level of the journey, right? Right. But eventually you know you one's one's going one way the other's staying the same or or doing their thing and that makes things very challenging right oh, yeah. it's i i i think it's okay to have separate lives or separate jobs or whatever if that's what you want to do but i feel like there's a level of growth that needs to be aligned yep to some degree you got to yep. have like you said your values or what, whatever that may be you know, your day-to-day interests may vary, but I mean, as far as growing together, I think it's essential, right? And a lot of times people, one's, one's going, one's zigging, one's zagging, and it's like, you're just a disservice to both, right? Yeah. Both people are not. And, and I mean, that happens a lot. And nowadays, like personal development and the tools out there and, 
you can really, one person can really start growing and the other can, you know, essentially you're growing or you're dying. Right. So, and it's crazy too, because there's no contingency between if that's the guy or the girl, we've seen yeah. it both. Like yeah. there's women that are very ambitious and they outgrow their spouse or their yeah. significant other very quickly. And they're not willing to come on, come along and you just, it doesn't work out. And you're so right in saying that is that when people, one doesn't want to grow, that's the only couple we can't help. Because eventually, um, when, when one person doesn't want to commit to the level of growth that it is required, the mm. other one will outgrow them. And when you outgrow your, your partner, your spouse mentally, emotionally, spiritually, unfortunately, you're, what you're going to end up doing is start looking for people more on your own level. <laughs> There's only a matter of time you're going to start connecting with people and outside your marriage that you can yeah. actually relate to. Yeah. Right. And, and a big thing for us is competition. When April and I started dating, She's like, Jack's better than me at this, so I got to prove my worth. And oh, yeah. oh, he saw more clients. The today. sports, the sports mentality, which <laughs> yeah. is which is healthy in one way, but it can be yeah. you know not healthy in the other. Exactly. Way. And yeah. and what we learned is the it's okay to have a competitive spirit, yeah, but not a spirit of competition. Yeah, agreed. Because we're on the same team. Yeah. yeah. Learning to be on the same team was our greatest lesson, and I think something that we passed down to others as well as teaching them to you're on the same team. And I use this simple example, right? Like. Let's say you were gambling. Let's say me and Jack went gambling and we had $60 and he had $60 and I had $60. And let's say that he lost all of it and I won $60, right? No, we're even because we're on the same team. It's the same money, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He didn't lose money and I'm like, yeah, I won $60. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're yeah. on the same team. Exactly. We're even. We broke even, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Do you guys... You, you brought something up and I, I was like, when you were saying it, I was writing the note because I didn't want to forget, mm -hmm. but you, you would notice this as well. And we'll get into like your business and everything on how, how people, the people that don't know you almost support you more than the yeah. people that care about you the most. You yes. know what I mean? Like you have, do you guys, you, you must find that as well, especially when you're trying to get support. Sometimes the ones that you care about that much are the ones that are the ones that are like, no, no, no. Like that's, I don't support you, but the people that don't know you look at you different and they support you more. Do you guys notice that? Oh yeah. I mean, that sure. happens all the time, right? I, yeah. I think it's what we call Polaroid mentality. The people yeah. that care for you the most still see you as a 14 year old child yeah. or 12 year old child versus <laughs> the 36 the year old successful Lance that runs an amazing podcast because yeah, yeah. they, because people aren't growing and changing majority of them. So they see themselves back then and they see you in the old Polaroid mentality 15 yeah. years ago. And I think that's a, a big thing until we have breakthrough or have a crucial conversation with them. And they slowly change as they see your journey and develop. But you're right. But strangers support us more. They're more open to share their own personal story or their struggles than some of the people's closest to us because they probably feel so ju maybe judged in a way, right? Or they yeah. give them more credit. They don't give the people they know more credit. You know, it's I see it all the time. I see oh, it it happens all the you time. assume the guy, the person that's unknown, knows more than the person that knows you. Yeah, <laughs> that you so well. well. One of the things, Lance, that we've discovered over time, and this is something we have to teach people. Yeah. Imagine this though, right? That it is very possible that the person that you just met 30 seconds ago has more well-meaning intentions for you in your future than the person you've known for 30 years. Yeah, It's so hard to fathom it. But in my case, it was true. I met a guy at a gas station who had more well-meaning intentions for me in life than most of the people in my personal sphere of influence. And 
I think that's so ironic because, you know, today everyone is guilty until proven innocent, but there was a day where we were all innocent until proven guilty. We were at least, you know, given the opportunity and now there's no opportunity anymore. Everyone's guilty by, by everything now. And at the end of the day, you have to be open-minded to the idea that meeting strangers is okay. And that developing new networks is okay. And that meeting new people is okay. And you've got to get out of your box. I think that's why people are so depressed today. They don't get out into new spheres of influence and meet new people and socialize. And they literally just sit around and hide and and are convinced that that's the best way to live. And they're skeptical of everything else that goes outside of there. And I'm telling you, that's like the, it's really the saddest way to live Mm -hmm. and the most unfulfilling, you know, the most fulfilling thing is to take a chance. Especially with Canadians, like what I see, because we, per capita, we spend more time on the internet than any other nation. And this is interesting because one of my friends said this, that we're in a world where so, where we are so content rich, but relationship poor. Mm. Yeah, yeah and no level of trust and and that's where we believe in building relationship being genuine sharing our story doing what we're doing today podcasting is the best for that yeah Yeah. like just for being able to just be transparent that's what i loved about it being able to you know just be yourself and connect with people and share their stories and that's where people can get to know the real you because there's no hiding it's like a real it's like a fly on the wall conversation right absolutely that's where I feel like with social media, we can all get stuck in this, this real superficial world. It all looks the same after a while, right? Yeah. And it's hard to really cut through who's real and who's not and who's, because you just, it all becomes the same after a while. Everybody's, you know, everybody's doing this or selling this. It's like, but I, I the only, I want to connect with the human behind the yeah. thing. You know, yeah. you can sell the thing. It's not the thing. It's the human behind the thing. Totally. Totally. And I was saying this to to someone earlier on our webcast today, that if we can treat animals like people and people like brothers and sisters, we make a better world. Mm. Yeah. Right. And and we're just very superficial. It's all buy the next iPhone. You got to take 50 selfies before you put a good one on there. And it's a world of fake nowadays. And that's why when people watch my Instagram or whatever, they're like, you're just real. You know, you spilled something on the floor and you saw your daughter do it. You film it because life is not perfect. It's not about perfection. It's mm-hmm. about progress. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, when it comes to success, perfection is not required. It'll never be. No. And that's one of the things that holds people back from chasing their dreams and goals. But luckily, it's, it's not a contingency. It's not a prerequisite of success. You'll never be perfect. You just learn as you grow. And people follow, watch us on Instagram or whatever. We love to showcase the fun, the good, the bad, the ugly. Because most of, as you would know, Lance, is like what people post is a lot of their highlight reels. Yeah. But there's a lot that goes on behind that. And I remember mm-hmm. listening to a lady do a talk about her, what would, whatever the opposite of highlight reels would be like the darkest moments of like her life and she's all together. Yeah, exactly. The dark light. Yeah. Like dark light moments. And she strung them all together, but she was outlining the highlights as she went, but yeah. she was showing people what happened in between in her life that nobody saw. Mm-hmm. And you were just so shocked afterwards because this was a successful person. She's like, yeah, well, when I won this award, the next day after that, this happened in my life for a solid year. And then this, and you're just like, whoa, you don't see any of that. Yeah. And, and that's people's reality. So just remember social media is a highlight reel and we like to post good, bad, ugly, whatever. Cause we're just, we're honest. We're transparent. Some people might hear this and love it. Some people might hear it and not like it. We're not caught up on whether people like us or not, or what they like our no. content. Those that like, like what you have to say, you'll have, you share the same values. That's and exactly it. Yeah. You don't share the same values. I think if we would understand each other's values in society more, people would fight less. 
the person doesn't like share the same values as them. Somebody doesn't share the value of marriage. God bless you. You don't need to. You just won't relate as much to what we're talking about. But I respect you and love you no matter what. And man, we would get together so much more, get along as a society if we just looked at things through a value lens. And I love your diversity of your podcast. You have all types of stuff on there. Yeah. And it's great because most people live a certain belief system based on what they got taught. But most people don't put their belief systems to a stress test. Mm -hmm. And so they end up living a lie most of their life. Mm. And so what we've got taught at a young age, we stress tested it we've seen this fruit on the tree for decades and centuries and the people we've listened to and they've studied as well. So I always challenge people, what you're thinking, are you open to a stress test of that thought process or that mindset? And if they're not open to challenging their way of thinking, then they're not coachable or they're not ready to take the next level of success in their life. And that's okay. That's their choice. We're all entitled to opinions, but if most people are closed-minded, how I picture that is that they close their mind to the idea of you stress testing their opinion because their opinion going up against the truth might actually be invalid. So a lot of people just become skeptical or cynical of something and that's their way of just not wanting to be that, that opinion to be stress tested, right? Mm. So be open-minded in life because the, the best thing that can happen, the worst thing that can happen is just you learn a different perspective. You're still entitled to your own opinion, but yeah. you, might, you might have a total change of perspective that could rock your world at the same time. Do you guys ever feel, did you ever go through the, a time where you tried to please everybody? Like you're trying to, oh, yeah. be, like where you feel like, oh, I got to be, because I've gone through that too. And, and it's, it's difficult as well on the podcast because I'm not a controversial person, but I don't agree with everything all my followers would agree with. And I, you know, I found it challenging because I don't like to offend people, but there's certain things that I like to talk about, but I, I've always, it's, it's been I'm getting better at it, but I found trying to please everybody, right? Trying to not, you know, but sometimes you you just can't do that. You have to really, you you know, and I believe the people that are, you're really, that are really connected to you will be your fans regardless. But I think it's tough sometimes in the world we're living in to be a people pleaser and just, you know, it's just by human nature to try to get along. What are your thoughts on, on all of that? And, yeah. and, and how do you guys, how do you, how do you navigate that, that as far as really staying true to yourself, being nice humans, but really having valuing your opinions on certain things? Yeah. Like, can, I, can I talk about one thing I heard one t- Like I, I heard it this way. Like, so every, if there's a hundred percent, you break it down into 25% chunks, yeah. 25% of people like you, but their opinion of you can be changed. of people don't like you, but their opinion of you can be changed. 25% of people like you, but their opinion will never be changed. You could, you could literally yell at them. They're still going to love you. They just, Mm. these are the people that are loyal till the end with you. And then there's 25% of people that will never like you and their opinion can never be swayed. And when you understand people fall into those categories, you just don't care because you know what, even the people that like us now that their opinion of us can be changed. All I know is there's 25% of people that no matter what, they're going to love us. And they're going to be with their, us to the end. And, and the rest, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they yeah. think. And I can relate because I used to be a big people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Because not having a father growing up, I wanted to please my friends. My peers' opinions was so heavily weighted on how they looked at me. And my self-image was based on that. And that's probably why I was the, the partier. And if the daredevil, they would ask me to do something, I'm going to show you because I want your approval. 
And that was me till from like 11 years old, getting bullied, being one of the only Chinese Canadians in in the school, right? Getting bullied by the people on the street. I married her. She's Italian, April. So I used to fight with the Italians and the Portuguese on my street because I wanted to be accepted. I was, I, 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 I was, a, that was a huge thing for me. So as I got into the business world, actually one thing that really helped me during school was athletics. One of my friends, he actually, no one really liked him because he was cocky and arrogant. And he said, Jack, you have to stop letting people walk all over you. And if they don't like you, just F them, right? And, and I was like, wow, okay. And I started taking that attitude towards training in the gym and, and just being good at athletics and, and conquering because I was chubby as a child as well. And then when I started training, I got under 12% body fat and was able to become very athletic. And that was when I started gaining a self-image. I started getting athlete of the year, MVP of every sport I played. And then I said, you know what? I'm actually getting recognized for my hard work versus approving the approval of another man or woman. And that really translated to the business world for me when my mentor said, if someone's not willing to pay your bills, why do you care about their opinion? Yeah, true. Not only that, do they have a better option for you to make money and create a career? Or are they just criticizing you? Because there's yeah. never been a statue erected to a critic. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. 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 Person, uh, an opinion is never at the mercy of someone with experience. Or sorry, a person with experience is never at the mercy of someone with an opinion because you actually have the experience. So. Mm -hmm. Jack, I, I'm just curious. This just came into my head and I, I wanted to dig a little deeper with it. Do you, did you notice any sort of, you know, trauma or emotions from what happened with your dad later on? Because that's, that's a crazy thing to happen. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, I, I it just came to my, and I, I wanted to bring this up because like what, I don't know. Did, did you notice anything that, that surfaced that you went through? in your oh, journey yeah. from oh, yeah. then, like, what are some of the things, because this, I think this is very valuable because to be able to get through something like that, it's tough and not a lot of people can relate because they, but it's interesting to me to kind of unpack this. Yeah. Could you walk sure. us through some of the things that you may have gone through or like that show up even now in, you yeah. know, as you're in your, you know, in your business and your self-development? For sure. Mm -hmm. So when, so I have a younger brother named Alfred and he's two years younger than me. But because I was the oldest child, when I found out at 14, because a year and a half, I didn't see my father. So I was like, where the heck is he? Yeah. And you remember the show like Breaking Bad? Yeah. But how he would transfer the drugs and the food. So he was doing that worldwide, right? And yeah. maybe he didn't touch the drugs. But anyways, so, but he was part of the operation. So when I found out that dad wasn't going to be there, I took control of the leadership of the house. I was... Mm kind of put into position. I had to translate for the government. I had to translate to my mother because she didn't speak good English, just working in Chinese restaurants. She just spoke Chinese, even coming from China. So I took on the burden of leading my household at like 14 years old. And I said, well, if my dad made money that way, maybe I'll get into it and make money illegally. And I, I did that. And then, and then I learned some lessons there, how to hustle, who to trust, who not to trust. And I said, and I got busted one time. And it wasn't good. Thank God, not by the police. So basically, my mother was disappointed. And I said, this is worse than her being angry at me. And that just brought tears to my eyes because she, I didn't want her son going to jail or whatever. So 
that point on, I said, I got to make some changes. And that actually birthed a flame into me to say, I need to be the opposite of what happened to my father. So I can actually be different and help other people in same situations that are come from broken families that don't have a father because 70% of people come from broken homes. All right. And so when I was 18 and I found some mentors, I saw a good marriage. I saw that they did overcome their, because some of the mentors that I had, their fathers were alcoholics and they were able to overcome that and become good father figures. So that model became a passion for me to follow. And I said, if they can change my life, now I have a duty and a responsibility to help other people do the same thing. Mm. And that, that is the biggest thing for me is, is the word responsibility and duty to give back because that's how capitalism works is that when we take responsibility for our own behavior and have compassion for our fellow neighbor, then we can come together collectively and work with each other and understand each other's differences and make this world a better place. And we call that winning and, and a championship mindset. Yeah, because you you took a you, it's classic university of adversity. You took adversity, yeah. a challenge, and turned it into into an opportunity. Into you know, you could either that situation could go one way or the other, right? You could yeah. either crumble yeah. and get right into the drug scene. I mean, we've all we all you know played around in that silly stuff mm-hmm. when we were younger. I did too, but some people don't get out of that stuff. Some people go down, right? And you you're faced with that moment, like you said. Some of us are blessed enough to not have to get thrown in jail or, or, you know, get stabbed or something like that for us to learn the lesson that we were meant to learn. We've learned, you learn it and then you move on and you take it and use it as fuel to fuel what you want to do. Right. Sure. And I just, I love hearing that because even though that was such a challenge for you, it was almost like a gift for you to learn from. Right. It was. And I questioned my, my manhood because I know man there to validate me other than sports coaches so i was yeah. like what can i even get a good girlfriend will yeah. i be a good husband one day and will i be able to make the finances happen to take care of my family all of those things were my insecurities and when i followed good behavior and good modeling of other mentors they just started teaching me these things and they mm-hmm. said you can do it you are a good warrior you can fight for your wife's beauty and you can love her. Just, you just got to be able to be true to yourself. And these are the people I started following and, and, and instilling into my heart these values. And this is who we are now as people. As crazy lovey-dovey as it sounds, just is who we are. Somebody, like To be the wife of someone that has had that opportunity to learn those things because it's, it's hard to be with someone that's invalidated. And actually, it's funny because when we met, I was the one that was very invalidated. And so I took a long time to become, you know, not insecure and he had to put up with me because he had already kind of weeded out some of that stuff. And it's so amazing to be with someone that they're strong in themselves and and what they believe. And they're, they're always willing to serve you and to love you when you're not maybe lovable at that moment and to, to work on themselves and to fight for your dreams and goals as a family. And, you know, he allowed me to become financially independent at 26. And he gave that gift to me because he was willing to work hard instead of going and playing softball seven nights a week. He built something for our family and he f- felt the courage and he obviously felt the, the fortitude to be able to do that. And I'm grateful for his mentors in his life every day mm-hmm. because I got to reap the benefit of that as a wife. And it's, that's been so yeah. incredible for me. If, if one story came to mind, Lance, and this is a defining moment. 
I remember I was turning 19 and my mentor said, Jack, your dad only knows what he knows. And that's why he got engaged in that type of environment. And I was like, interesting. And I was very angry uh, Mm -hmm. growing up in high school. And that's probably the anger driven me to perform, right? And to train and and all that. So he said, you know, as a father, you're going to understand one day why you do things for your children. And that hit me because I was starting to coach people at that time. And I, I was trying to help them with their life. So I got on the phone with my dad while he was in the jail. And I said, Dad, I love you, but I understand why you did what you did to try to take care of us. And I forgive you for the pains that you caused our family. Mm, wow. And that was a crucial conversation for me that, that day. And because I released my anger towards him and he started crying over the yeah, phone. Yeah, that would have been healing for him too to hear that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because he probably felt guilt and shame. Of course. Yeah. So he was crying totally. He was bawling on the phone. He said, I'm sorry, son. And this is what we did. I said, dad, you know, I'm a man now and I'm going to take care of my family. When you come out, I just expect you to take care of mom. Mm. Wow. Wow. So, all right. I want to, I want to get into now a little bit about what you guys are up to and maybe walk us through a little bit of your mentorship and kind of where it led you. Cause obviously you have you have a lot of very good habits and fundamentals that you've built. And what is it you guys do? Like, what yeah. is it? What kind of, how, how did, what has evolved into what you're up to now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there is obviously there's a money component to it. So we teach people how to build internet based businesses so they can create passive income. Mm-hmm. And then when they have enough income, they can get into other assets like real estate and invest into other traditional businesses if they choose to. But the main platform that we, get involved with people is the mentorship side and the coaching side of things because we vet people through usually about a four to six week process to see where their mind is at, to see where their values are at. And we really vet them for their potential before we take them on a five-year journey of personal development and professional growth. So we teach on communication skills, emotional intelligence, financial skills, because my background was in finance and insurance. So I know a little bit about the taxes and and how the tax laws work in Canada, America. So that allows us to package a holistic coaching program to teach people how to have a good marriage, how to have good relationships, how to better their finances, how to be able to, you know, be better in the community and be a better person overall. So we take a holistic view on success and the, and we don't charge people for that. The only way we get paid is by making a little bit of profit off their internet business as they profit. Right. So what are, what are some of the things that you find are holding people back mostly? Like, what do you, what do you see out there as, as I don't want to say problems, but yeah, probably. Like, what are what what's going on with people? Majority, like, where do you see as an issue that a lot of people are lacking? I, I love that question. It's very deep. We'll probably only scrape the surface on it, but yeah. we have a philosophy or a saying that we call. You can see our shirts. They say "waging yeah. war on average." Yeah, I like and it. Those aren't <laughs> those aren't meant to be offensive, but it's just that average is such a statistic people fall into. And who wants an average income? Who wants an average marriage? Who wants an average, you know, whatever it is, average car, average whatever, and a lot of people just find themselves in the statistical category and we want to help people not be a statistic. And it's like, we, we call it remaking champions. It's one of our, our slogans. And for those of you that maybe you've never heard that before, I was reading a book called automatic influence. And he was talking in that book about a kid in the Olympics. No, sorry. It was an Olymp. It was a commercial actually for Converse shoes. 
and it was way back like in the 80s or whatever, but it was, it was around the Olympics, right? And so this kid was like throwing a, you know, a, a stick in the air and pretending it was a javelin and throwing a stone and whatever and pretending he was in the Olympics. And he was just running around and they were like, and the slogan was basically that champions are born, but here's, here's how it ended. And then unmade. Because the world and society and life and how we are socialized literally slowly unravels our championship mindset. I mean, think about it. When you were born, you learned how yeah. to walk right? eventually yeah. at a toddler stage, right? But when you fell down, you, you were never like, oh, I guess I'm a loser. I'll never walk again. As yeah. kids, we had that resilience. Yeah. And we right? dreamed big too. We didn't care about anybody judging our dreams either. Yeah, like, what do you want? To be? Oh, I'm going to go to space. I'm going to be this. Yeah. I'm going to astronaut. And it's amazing how kids think differently. And then, and, and they've proven this in many studies that five-year-olds, a group of five to seven-year-olds can solve problems faster and build things faster and quicker than people that have their PhD and master's when they put them in different groups together. There's all these studies, like take a bunch of marshmallows yeah. and take a bunch of, and you have to build towers. And the five-year-olds are like, because there's no cultural boundaries. Yeah. There's no fear, fear of rejection of posing their ideas. And so they just go for it. And they, they build these things in twice the speed. And it's amazing because like kids don't have that, those barriers on their mind and they develop them over time. And the biggest thing for us is that we have learned is people come in hurting but everyone has the ability to be a champion. We just have to slowly help them reprogram themselves to remind themselves of who they really are. Because what holds people back is, is really just all of those cultural things in their minds that they've been taught or they believe about themselves to be true that aren't true. The things that I believed about myself that my mentor had to peel away and to show me truth. And why I think a mentor is so important in, in your life is because they deliver something that you cannot deliver to yourself. And it's called relational nutrients. Mm. Right. So there's so many relational nutrients in life. So like uh, encouragement, which is the cure for discouragement. You can't un, you can't encourage yourself. It's very difficult to do that. That those are things that have to come from external sources. And so having someone in your life that can see where you're at good and bad and deliver a relational nutrient that you need at that time in your life. Sometimes it's confrontation. Sometimes it's like, bro, you're about to get on, your wife is about to leave you or vice versa. Maybe like I've had conversations with girls and said, your marriage is going to end if you don't change these things. Right. And, and confrontation is sometimes actually a nutrient that we need. Love is a nutrient that we need. And all of these things, it can only be delivered yeah. to us by somebody outside perspective from us, right? So, so most people don't grow up in environments where they breed success mentality or championship mentality. Right we call it. And, and this is the issue is that I, I find that some guys come in with huge egos and they're not willing to be coached because they've been hurt. So they have to put on this false ego that they're strong, mm -hmm. that they're louder than everyone. They can lift more weights than everyone. And that has to be broken down mm -hmm. where I start building a relationship to say, man, I love you as a brother. You know, I don't care how much weight you can lift. You know, we're all the same. Yeah. We piss and poo we yeah. put our pants on one leg at a time. We all have similar insecurity. So we're all just in a meat suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. We're all born, sure. you know, with nothing on crying and screaming. So that's one thing. Ego. Some people, they seriously have a victim mentality as Grant Cardone talks about that. A lot of victim mentality out there. So they don't take personal responsibility over their personal situation. I understand if you got put into a situation but a lot of times people make poor decisions due to bad habits and then, or just, yeah, habits don't serve you well. 
And then they just have the repercussion of that and they don't take responsibility over it to fix it. Mm-hmm. So teaching people how to, yeah, just own up to their crap and mm-hmm. just say, let it's time to fix it. It's time to cut off some unhealthy relationships. That's another big one is approval addiction disorder. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about that earlier mm-hmm. is you have to let go of the people in the past sometimes because they're not healthy for your future relationships. And so as their parents, another thing is, some parents coddle their children way too much mm. and you got to let them spread their wings. And that is unhealthy boundary is that we're helicopter parents, lawnmower parents, we call them. They just mow down all their problems for them and they just raise people that can't critically think for themselves. And if they have trouble, they just run home to mommy and daddy and they'll take care of it for them. So these are things that we talk about openly and the people that see us as coaches we're not always going to tell them what they want to hear, but we need to tell them, we're going to tell them what they need to hear. And if they like that environment where they want to win, then they eventually join us in this journey. Awesome. Well said. Where if people want to work with you guys, where, where can they find you? Yeah, we have jackinaprilto.ca. Mm-hmm. jackinaprilto.com so it's just our first name last name they can look us up there you can check us out on instagram and then just inbox personally message us and then we'll reply to your email then we can probably jump on a zoom call or maybe meet for coffee and talk about if there's a future together potentially and two is t-u so yeah but do you guys do you guys have any books or anything coming out or any talks or anything that that we can put in the show uh-huh. notes as well Something we're going to put together in the next few years. One of the things me and Jack wanted to commit to do is we want to hit the multi-million dollar level in our industry. And then we're going to start working on a book. And this is one of the things we're just starting to get into. But hopefully there's going to be more places where people can access some of our talks and information. And thank you for allowing us on your podcast and uh, giving us this opportunity. We really appreciate to be on here today. Yeah, no, it's great. I had a lot of fun. There's a lot of lot of value here. And it's it's really nice to not only hear the stories, but I mean, to be able to see what you guys have been able to create and how you've been able to make a marriage work with, especially nowadays in, in the way it is. Totally. I mean, all, and yeah, I, I, I like just kind of unpacking all of that stuff. So I think, you know, it's definitely valuable for people. And yeah, I mean, Thank you. People need mentors. People need coaches. Absolutely. And I I feel that more now than ever, people are just struggling for that connection. And and, And if I may add one thing, um, and I want to give credit to my aunt. She's looking after my daughter today because she's just hanging out from China. She came back for about a few months. But this is how our family got our freedom. So in the 70s, Hong Kong was under the British Empire ruling because they won the war. My aunt swam from China to Hong Kong. She swam for six to seven hours to get her freedom. Wow. And then she married a Chinese Canadian and came to Canada, then immigrated my grandpa over. My mom and dad uh, grew up (laughs) down the street from each other since they were five years (laughs) old. Yeah. So I want to give kudos to her because without her, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be born here and we wouldn't enjoy the freedoms we have today. And so I have so much gratitude towards the sacrifices she put on there. And now I have a personal responsibility to, to be an advocate for free enterprise and people becoming their own business owners to take care of their own life and take charge. Because if we don't exercise the freedoms we have today, we could lose them because freedom's yeah. not free. Someone fought for them. Yeah. And if, if I could add a caveat there is that, you know, if you're going to reach out to us, you know, mentorship and coaching is definitely something we're passionate about, but we're looking for people that we can partner with on a high level that 
you know, they, they do value the opportunity to do something for themselves and they're willing to back it up with action and, you know, to, to put into work into something because our, our time, you know, has become limited as well, but we value people that appreciate uh, living in a free enterprise society and they want to do something about it. And, and those are the type of people we're really looking to take to a next level. And we believe we're going to impact Canada with those types yeah. of people. And so in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Amazing. Well, I end with one question, one staple question. What is one thing that adversity has taught you? Go ahead. You want to go? Yeah. Adversity <laughs> has taught me. Uh, I, I'm going back to the saying from Napoleon Hill. Out of every seed of adversity, there's equal or greater benefit. And you just have to look for the benefit. And that's where losing has taught us to learn lessons. And if you don't learn from your losses, losing becomes a habit and it's losing is automatic. Yeah. And I think I've learned from adversity that I heard somebody say, they said, you know what a road is? And I'm like, no, it's a straight, it's a straight and narrow road. They're like, it's a plateau. And sometimes the dips are so necessary because they are, the valleys are what make the peaks something you can actually value. And if I've learned anything, it's that if you don't go through a hard challenge or a hard time, it's so hard to then value when you, when things are actually going well and that you should really embrace the hard times. Like our attitude towards a challenge is excitement. We're like, oh my God, this attack on our finances happened. This is amazing. Something really good is about to come out of this. And so you totally change your perspective of what a challenge looks like. And I don't want to be on a plateau. So I embrace the downs just as much as the ups. And that's something adversity has taught us uh, in, in every area. Well said. Well Thank said. You. Thank, Thank you. you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, we had a great, great time. Thank you for all you do. I look forward oh. to having some sushi in Vancouver. With yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the sockeye no. salmon's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah definitely. Yeah. All right. All right. Jack, Jack and April, too, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Great conversation, right? Hope you enjoyed it. Check out Jack and April. All their information's in the show notes. If you can, leave us a review. Love you guys. I appreciate you. We will catch you next time.